Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to the Fides Club. This is show number 15th for July 25th, 2009. Hello everyone, welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we get people from around the world to tell us uh, about the news from around the world and their opinion. Uh, I am Patrick Beja and today with me are the uh, un-erasable, uh, because he's always here, Turkey. How are you doing, Turkey? Uh, hey, Patrick. You're full of energy again. I'm sure you will liven up during the show. Oh, don't worry. It just takes <laughs> a very slow... We can yeah. move all the way up, all the way to craziness. <laughs> Let's hope for that. Uh, we also have Scott with us today, uh, Scott Johnson. How are you doing, Scott? I'm fine, Patrick. How are you? I thought maybe there was the only one Scott in the world and everything revolved around me, but apparently <laughs> we need to distinguish my name with a last name, a surname. Yes, yes. That, that is pretty handy. Although it's, it's safe to say that you are the only Scott in the Phileas Club. I think that's that's true. I don't think you've had another Scott on yet, but th there's always a future for that. Well, we never know. I, I, he certainly won't be as interesting as you. That's for sure. Oh, wow. Well, you butter me up too much, sir. I feel like <laughs> I could slip and fall. All right. So you guys know uh, what the show is about. We usually get people from different parts of the world and talk about the things that have been happening uh, in the past month in the world. And I thought that things were not very interesting uh, this month in July. Uh, so I had a topic prepared, but maybe f before that we can go to Tur Turkey, uh, who said that there was indeed a few interesting things happening around around the world. Uh, and you were talking about one very interesting theory uh, about Iran, which, by the way, has been uh, Iran has been completely eclipsed by the Michael Jackson uh, death stories, and it didn't come back. So I was a little bit disappointed at uh, the news in general uh, for that. But uh, Turkey, what did you want to talk about again? Oh, my conspiracy theory. Right. Please, my please enlighten us. <laughs> you, should, you should call it the, the Turkey conspiracy theory of the month. <laughs> <laughs> I so, like them. Appar so apparently there was... Uh, we had a... Uh, there were a lot of pr uh, airplane crashes going around the world recently. And apparently Iran just had one, uh, what, how long now? Maybe two or three weeks ago? Yeah, something like that. And, and when I saw it, the first thing that came in my mind, this is just too perfect for the Iranian government. It's just distracting people, and people are worrying about their plane crashing and instead of the opposition and all of that. That's that's something But strange. So that's that's was the first time, and I really didn't think much about it until what was it today or yesterday? Another plane crashed in Iran. 
Yes, well, okay, but so see, I, now I, I, I'm almost sure there's a conspiracy. <laughs> it's just too much of a coincidence. With and during these two tra- uh, airplanes crashed during these troubled times in Iran. During uh, and and those are the last, and they so close together. After what? How long did we have a, a plane crash in Iran before that? But wait, okay, I I I understand why you would think a plane crashing is something suspicious. At you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, but I fail to see how that would help the Iranian government if planes start crashing around Iran. Well, t- is okay. Turkey isn't your theory that it's it's a distraction, like it takes everybody's mind off of the right, political exactly. unrest? And- yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't well, know. Maybe, okay, maybe if they had planes crashing somewhere else, uh, it might be you know a distraction from Iran. But they there you no 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 no. It's not a distraction for the international world. It's for distraction within the Iranian population. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah, but see, see, okay. I have t- I have two theories about where why these crashes happen. And they and they and they think I think they conflict with yours, and we'll let Patrick vote on which one he thinks is okay. the accurate one. But here, here's what I think: I think that there's two, two, one of two things at play here. One could very well and possibly be the fact that, and and I read a book from uh, Malcolm Gladwell called uh, Outliers. It's an awesome book, and it talks about uh, weird factors that sort of contribute to either sort of micro or macro things that happen in the world. And, and one of the things he talks about is actually planes and crash records and why certain countries have such great records and others don't. And some that had the highest records had were high in everything else, including sort of technology and, and training and everything else. But some for some crazy reason, they were crashing more on the exact same planes with the exact same level of man- or, uh, uh, maintenance as, as the planes that were used in other countries that had spotless records. Anyway... I won't get into why all that happened, and it's a really great book. You should read it. But, uh, but one of the theories is that when you have all this political unrest and all this sort of I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring in the minds of common people, what happens is things that are normally sort of routine sort of jobs in the country that happen every day, people start to goof up, slip up, whether it be maintenance, whether it's a whether it's a, uh, a a uh, pilot who's just freaked out by the whole thing, or he's got a brother who's in jail now because he stood up against the the you know the riot police or something, and he's not thinking straight, and he's not taking orders properly, and he's not working with his with his co-pilot the way he should, and before you know it, you have a couple of fluke crashes. I think that's one theory. I think the second theory is that the other day I woke up and I stubbed my toe on the way out of bed, and then. I got outside and my car tire was flat, so I thought, well, I'll go run around the park, uh, which I did, and while I ran, I stepped in a big pile of dog crap, and I got home later that day, or later that morning, and the bacon that was waiting for me because somebody had breakfast before me was, like, not crispy at all. <laughs> what I'm getting at yeah, is you, sometimes, you. sometimes stuff, ha- you know, you just get unlucky in a string of events, and I'm not... I'm not so sure that that's what the deal is here. I just think that that's at least a possibility. It's hard for me to see this and immediately smell conspiracy, even though things are so weird over there. I can't imagine why they would hmm. sabotage their own planes. Maybe maybe I don't give the Iranian government enough credit for what they're willing to do to freak their people out, but it just seems a little far-fetched to me. I have to agree with both of you, actually. Um, the the What you're saying, Scott, is basically... 
well, it's just a fluke. And it's probably that, but the Turkey's theory is a lot more seducing. The oh, yeah, it makes government. for better radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think I'm going to go with that. It one. makes you think a lot. It really <laughs> makes you wonder. But Turkey, are you seriously thinking that that might be the case, or are you joking? Uh, no, I'm seriously actually thinking it might be. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it might be. It's, just okay. that it's too much of a coincidence. It just made mm. me think a lot about it. Okay. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, let's see. We have about... Uh, there's a news from Saudi Arabia. Oh, let's keep that for the second part of the show. Uh, I just want to have, um, uh, you know, like the international news. Again, aside from Michael Jackson, who, okay, enough. Uh, nothing really incredible happened. So, um, let's We're celebrated, what, 40 years since the landing on the moon? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's great, that's fine. <laughs> what, because hey, no, it wasn't you know a French man? It's fine? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know why that was a significant thing in my life was because the day my dad came to the ho er, hotel, came to the hospital and picked me and my mom up to take me home when I was born was, and, and on the way home from the hospital in the car, in the radio, we heard that the uh, the eagle had landed. Like that was the big announcement. I, of course, was zero years old, so I don't remember any of this. But wait, you mean you're forty? Uh, oh yeah, dude, I turned forty last week. Oh, I thought you turned like thirty-eight or something. I wish. Oh, Good. okay. Well, Gosh, happy birthday. I, forty creeped up on me and attacked me like a freak. I blame the Iranian government actually for that age. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, that was that was okay. a significant moment for me. And by the way, I got to tell you, so all the all the Michael Jackson crap, which I find annoying and, and terribly uh, distracting, and I think overly pandering, and I have a lot of issues with the coverage that 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 whole thing got, mm -hmm. and it's why I hate the mainstream news and everything else. But uh, I think a far more significant death. And one that affects me more personally, oddly enough, and, and it's someone who I never really knew during his heyday, was the death of Walter Cronkite. I think that's fairly significant. It's, it, it, marks, it marks the passing of what I think of not just a, a, a good reporter and a man who was, who was really great at what he did, um, but also the passing of a kind of newsman, a kind of coverage, and a kind of, uh, let's see, a kind of sensibility about what news is and how we cover it mm -hmm. also passed. Um, and, and I'm not sure that we're better for it. There's so much... There's so much not to like about the way news is covered now. I really, when he, when I heard of his passing, it wasn't so much, oh, the poor man. I mean, he lived in '91 or something. Um, but for it was the more death that, of the news industry as it was. As, yeah. For for people who don't know, Walter uh, Cronkite was the iconic news anchor for 30 years in the U.S. and he covered things like the Vietnam War, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, he covered the death uh, of he Kennedy, did a, the uh, landing on the moon, and uh, yeah, he was he was a significant part of all of that. In fact, he was the part of that because you got to think back when when Kennedy was assassinated, there was no twenty four hour news networks times three, mm. four or whatever. There wasn't constant coverage from four thousand angles. There wasn't the internet. There wasn't all of these things. There was this man at a desk who would break into programming and say, "There's you know shots rung out in Dallas. The president's been shot," and later that he had died. Um, he, you know, historically speaking, there's a moment where he sort of tears up making this announcement that is, you know, as much of a historical memory as the assassination itself. And, and uh, that's, I think it's also true of his coverage of the moon landing and, and, and many other things. But 
the thing I liked is he always did it with just such integrity and such, uh, I don't know, just a, a shining example of what news could be, used to be, and will probably never be again. Mm. And so that, that, that struck me as kind of sad this week. We did, uh, you know, Cronkite obviously is not a major uh, figure in, in Europe or in France, but we heard a lot about the, new, the, the moon landing anniversary. We only heard about Cronkite in passing. Um, mm. And I, I'm pretty sure that if I wasn't that much uh, into the uh, American news media um, uh, consuming, I wouldn't have heard, uh, you know, I wouldn't have known of him as much. Uh, I, th I think what really, really affected me was not the Cronkite's death, but Billy Mays. <laughs> I don't Seriously. know who that is. I Seriously, mean, yes. that 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 guy is unbelievable. I've saw him so many times on TV, and he's unbelievable. And then he just died to be oh the guy kind of young the 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 guy the who does guy. the uh, the uh, infomercial yes thing. yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's a fairly in incredible salesman, uh, and he what he so, what he did in his he, career. I think he's, he's, he's the most famous salesman in the U.S. So, yeah. Turkey, you think this is more important than the death of Cronkite? <laughs> no, it's, uh, no, it's, uh, it's uh, no. The point is, I uh, said so it's affected me. Cronkite, as he, he said, he was over ninety. This guy was considered young, May. So it's kind of the way he died is just unbelievable. Okay. How did he die? In a big vat of OxyClean? No, 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 no. <laughs> he, uh, he did not. He, uh, I think he just had a heart attack or something, didn't he? he, was, I think he was no, 50. he hit his head while landing in a plane oh, and he didn't feel anything. Right. That's right. And then he just went home and went to sleep, and the next day he never woke up. Oh, Yeah, so it's, it basically, like it's basically a, a, concussion. a concussion. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. That's, that is terrible. I forgot about that. I, yeah. I, I take back my OxyClean joke. <laughs> I think he'd laugh though. That guy had a good sense of humor. He was. Nice oh guy. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think right. there there would be an interesting show uh, to do about the uh, news media and how you know the the news industry and how it's going and the twenty four hours uh, news cycle. But um, here's 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 something about the news industry. Okay. And it's a subject on CNN has been over covering. I don't know about the other news channels over covering the whole Obama and the police. Catch uh, arresting on a black professor thing. Yes, um, do you see that? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've well, I've heard about it. Uh, mentioning uh, again in passage on the French uh, news, but it's been a huge deal in the U.S. Maybe you you can tell us about it, Scott. Yeah, basically the deal is, and I'm not a hundred percent versed in how the story went. Uh, at least the initial story of the arrest, but but I know a lot about what the Obama reaction was, and he got up. To do a press conference, it was primarily designed to talk about health care and to talk about how the French were so stupid the way they did it. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he was going to get up and talk about health care, and he had a lot of really interesting things to say, um, certainly about the status quo and, and, you know, a lot of interesting questions about, well, isn't the new, what, what you propose too complicated? And he's like, are you kidding? Look at what we have now. Anyway, um, it was really, really good. And at the end of this press conference, somebody had asked him about the arrests and stuff, and he, he said, well, basically... He so, believed that I'm, I'm the, sorry, the, just a second, just a second. Uh, to clear things up, the arrest was a friend of his who is a professor at, at uh, Harvard. Correct. Uh, got arrested because he was uh, trying to enter his own home and he was trying to force uh, the door in his own home because the door was stuck and he couldn't open it with his keys. 
and yeah. uh, the the neighbor called the cops because they saw well the way they're spinning it is they saw a scary black man who is a professor <laughs> at ha Harvard you know a dangerous now guy. this is this is this is where and, I really wonder what happened because what his neighbors don't even know who lives there yeah that's strange and so anyway the the, the exchange heated up and apparently he got a little bit carried away with the uh, police and maybe there was some name calling or something and uh the, the the cops arrested him even though they knew they were aware at the time that he was trying to get into his own house so they arrested him for disorderly conduct uh yeah. so that's that's where the controversy came from and then so scott you were talking about his uh, well, obama's response and just so I, just so i can make this clear too i think it is actually not that unusual for our neighbors to react that way i had a situation where i had to break into my own house at two o'clock in the morning once and um there, it's a totally similar situation I, I don't know what time he was doing it but um we got home late from a trip and i had to get in and we couldn't find our key and so i had to go through a window and i'm out there kind of making a ruckus and we had three neighbors call the cops uh, next door neighbors on both sides and a guy behind us who all thought I was some robber dude breaking into the house. Was it, was it during the day or during the night? It was during the night. It was the middle of the night. So, no, so this was, was during during the day. So yeah, so it's a different situation. But it, it, well, the still, I mean, you, you you have to be to also to to realize that they the neighbor could have you know not actually recognized the guy and thinking, oh my god, someone is breaking into my neighbor's house. And, yeah. Plus, you know, plus I'm neighborhoods, going, yeah. and I, I got to guess, in in where where this guy lives, I, I this could be a total stereotype, and and slap me on the wrist for saying it, but there are a lot of parts of the country, or a lot of parts of the world, for that matter, where neighbors are not neighborly. In other words, you could go to 20 years and never meet the guy who lives next door to you. Um, oh, it's it, the same you know, here, and I live in a in a building apartment. I mean, yeah, some of my neighbors exactly. I know, but okay, let, let's get to Obama's reaction. Anyway. So his reaction was, he basically called the cops stupid. What they did was stupid. And yeah, he said they acted stupidly, I think. Acted stupidly. And this, what I thought was kind of a normal thing to say, because here's what you've got in play here. You've got a guy whose friend was arrested for something that seemed to be racially motivated, possibly. And he didn't even speak to that. He just basically said what the cops did was stupid. And I don't... I don't fault Obama for saying anything that he said. Like, when I heard him say it, I thought, oh, well, yeah, it does seem like what they do is kind of stupid. I mean, it just seems like they took it too far. They didn't, you know, when they realized that maybe they'd made a mistake, they kind of just reinforced it and took the guy into custody anyway. And, you know, it just seemed like they just kind of kept, you know, it's, it's that, there's a term for it, I always forget, but they just kind of kept piling it on. And, and so he says this, and the thing ends, and the news goes crazy that, that Obama called these police, you know, these cops stupid. And I kept thinking to myself, why? What, you know, the, the main argument is that he's, he's automatically siding with this guy who claims there's, this was a racial thing or whatever. And they're all, you know, making up a thousand reasons why Obama would say this. And, and I just kind of shake my head, dude. I think it's a non-issue. I think it's completely dumb. I don't get why it's a big deal. So he expressed an opinion about a friend's arrest. What did you what did you want him to do when you asked him the question? He what could have I said, would, what I, would I don't know have, enough about it. I haven't talked to yeah, my buddy. Exactly. exactly. That's that's the responsible the responsible thing to do as the president of the United States because you know that anything you're going to say is going to be dissected in a million ways. And I I would have to agree. I think it's not that big a deal, but it's still a little bit of a deal. 
So, I don't know. It's okay wait, for our president stop. to have like an opinion, though, don't you think? I mean, isn't it okay? Yeah, that it's, 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 it's okay. So, so it's wrong for Obama to complain about police arresting his friend, but it's okay for Bush to go in public and declare a crusade against the Arab world. It's not the same thing. It's not. It's not the same. Uh, uh, because it, when you're talking about uh, Bush's uh, speeches, and first of all, crusade against the Arab world, I don't think so. I don't think that's what he was declaring. But okay, no, he I get did what say you're saying. we're declaring a crusade. It, yeah, but not against the Arab world. <laughs> um, but what is a crusade? A crusade is basically the Christians fighting Muslims. What no, is the a crusade is a holy holy war. But never mind. Okay, th- th- oh, you're, I thought the crusade was us it. against the demons in the outland. I got it all. I'm all confused. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean, to, be, uh, what what Bush did was uh, talking about policy. What Obama is doing here is giving his opinion as the president. Because he is also the president. He's not just the friend of the guy. He's no, giving no, his no. opinion he's, as, he's as to the specifics of a case that he didn't know enough about. No, and he was talking as a personal opinion. Now, Bush was talking about policy. And yeah. even, if, even if it's a holy war, you don't declare a holy war when, in a country where there's separation of church and state. Yeah, that's Apparently another nobody issue. had a problem with that's, that. Turkey, that's another issue, though. That's, we're not talking about the same thing. And you're, uh, of course, I'm not going going to defend uh, Bush on the, you know, on, I want because to watch I, you defend Bush. <laughs> but well, I'm trying I'm, my best to okay, make you. There you go. I don't watch that. There you go. In this matter, I'm not going to defend Bush on his uh, on his policies, but on his on the fact that he's just stating a policy. It's not the same thing as what uh, Obama did uh, discussing the specifics of that case, and I think that. If you really want to spin it in a terribly uh, partisan uh, Republican way, what Bush did in that uh, respect was more acceptable than what Obama did. Uh, of course, you know, I think what Obama did is such a minor deal that uh, it, it's not important at all. But on the theory principle of it, you know. Bush I think was, Obama is just a human being. He can say yeah. whatever he wants when he but, feels a friend is threatened. Okay, this is this is what this is what I would say about it, and then let's let's move on because we're spending too much time on it. But I would say <laughs> what he said was was stupid, and get over it, right? And not go on and on and on 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 the news on every you know single channel for hours. Like, does it mean that he's a a racist or a reverse racist or whatever's happening with? Sotomayor, and you know, it's it, get over it. It's too partisan. It's unbelievable and what the media would cover. Yeah, I agree, and especially with the subject of the uh, of the uh, uh, speech being, uh, you know, the the healthcare issue. There, you have important things to talk about here. And, yeah, uh, it got overshadowed. But the thing is, it's artificially overshadowed. There aren't. I don't think the people in America give a rat's a about this, except a few are like, yeah, Obama's a racist. Yeah. I've been saying this since day one or whatever. But on the but in, on the whole, most of us are going, dude, I don't care about who got arrested or what he thinks yeah. about it. He does because he's got a personal relationship with the guy, and that's fine. Say what you want, but but the but the but the whole of that conference is about healthcare, and it was a great conversation about healthcare. And we need to be having that conversation. We need to be making progress on it. We need to be getting moving forward with it. But our news organizations suck. Yeah. 
They so blow, let's, dude. Let, let, let's not do what they do, and not, let's not spend too much time on that. But since, you know, we're, I don't know what's happening in this show. We're doing everything backwards. So we're, t- we're talking about very American uh, issues first, but that's okay. Let, let's, let's go with the flow. Um, okay, I have, I have and, an international issue. But well, well, it's we're, kind of an Islamic issue. <laughs> we're we're in the middle of the of the healthcare thing. Let's let's mention yeah. this for a minute, um, because it I, will I never mean, happen. That's my opinion. You think so? <laughs> Not in the U.S. No. Well, I I have one one thing I want to say about this to our American friends, and I think most of our audience is is in the U.S. So, uh, what I want to say to you guys is, um, I can understand that you would argue about the cost of healthcare and whether or not the country can afford it. But what I don't understand is the way the Republican um, uh, Party and, uh, you know, propaganda machine is spinning the quality of the healthcare, as if the fact that the government would, you know, put in place a healthcare program would make healthcare a terrible system that will kill every single person sick person in the US. In in the countries that do have health care, you know, uh, <laughs> socialized medicine even, because that's not a dirty word, such as France, the quality of care is excellent. It's very good in most uh, uh, respects. You might have to wait a little bit to get it. So you do have like, you know, queues in the emergency rooms. But if you are actually having an emergency, they will get you in and heal you. And I don't understand the fact that people can actually go with this idea that um, the healthcare, uh, the, the government-run healthcare program, is going to destroy the nature of healthcare because that's I- not just not the case. I can tell you exactly the mindset, or at least what I believe the mindset to be. And by the way, we call them lines, not cues. I don't know what's wrong with you people. <laughs> uh, anyway, no. Here, here's 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 the, the what I think is the, the the core of the healthcare problem for most people when they hear that the government might be taking over the role as a mediator or as a provider or as a whatever. Um, it, there is a deep sense of sort of weird fear that for whatever reason, jumping to a socialized system or a system of government-funded or tax-funded health care is akin to us jumping over the line into full-blown communism, socialism, whatever ism isn't the ism that we like. Hmm. And even though they all enjoy socialized road work, socialized... Um, uh, any government service, anything that we, we take advantage of or use, socialized water consumption. Well, socialized, you know, so- uh, you know national security, socialized uh, posting services. Yeah. It goes on forever. So, yeah, socialized mail. <laughs> so, you know, so we have socialized everything that seems convenient and good for us. But the minute you mention healthcare, for some reason, that carries a different weight. And I think it's because that ideology has been pounded into people for a very, very long time. And it's been. You know, I actually think things, oddly, the things that have done it the biggest disservice are things like Michael Moore movies. His design is to make a movie about healthcare, like Sicko, that is supposed to make people wake up and go, wow, we really need to do like the Europeans or the Canadians or even the people in Peru or whatever, how they're all doing their healthcare. What what I think it does is cause the act, the opposite reaction. It causes so much stink and uproar that people are automatically 
spending a whole bunch of time uh, defending the current system and he's demonizing people. Yeah, he and they demonize everything he's talking about. He exactly he's agitating the base, and then it's 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 you know it, what we do is we end up creating a giant monster like we do with anything that we that we sort of demonize, and we've done it with communism. I mean, communism in the fifties and sixties. We don't remember this very well because none of us were here, but but that was you know it was a giant red beast out to kill your children, and you had to do you know nuke. Uh, drills where you'd get under your desk and you know hide from the nukes that were going to come your way for sure from those guys in Russia and it was just like demonized situation. I would I would argue that Bush did the same thing with the Arab world during his time, um, and not just him, well, in, but, but the, the overall in, system does this when yeah, things in, in the case of communism. In, in the case of communism, it was a more uh, you know direct confrontation, and as we learned later, it turns out that the the, the U.S. And the Western world was right. And it, even though they're not going to come and, and eat your children, it does. it is a system that, that doesn't work and that does, you know, create uh, incredible poverty. And so, you know, in that sense, that was a, a virtuous fight. But, right. Uh, and you just and you looked at it just now in a very academic way. And the thing that we have trouble doing is looking at things in a very academic measured way. The way we look at things sometimes, which is, I think, to our detriment, is we look at things in a very, bah, you know, reactionary way. <laughs> and, and and I'm not saying that this is true of every American, because I didn't feel any about this way about any of these things. And I always felt like this stuff is being forced on me. And I know there are a lot of people that probably agree. And that isn't to argue that I'm anti-Republican or anti-Democrat. I could give a rat's A about any party politics when it comes to any of this. I, for me, it comes down to simple humanity and simple common sense. And the deal with the, with the health care stuff is, can, can the government blow it and do it wrong? Sure, they could. They could be totally crappy and terrible. Um, could they do it right if, if we you know, build the thing properly and everything else? Sure, they could. Is it a big demonized mess right now and people have hang-ups that are based on pure ideology absolutely and that i think is where the problem is and if we don't make any progress it's because of that more than anything else hmm. turkey oh. i don't have an opinion all i'm saying is not going to happen i'm just waiting to see <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys do there what's what's the what's the saudi arabia uh, healthcare deal like what do you guys do free medication medication you Free healthcare, free medicine, free everything. All right. Yeah. And how's that working you, out? Well, if you don't like standing in very, 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 very long lines, you go to a private hospital. Yeah. But you have that choice, right? I mean, you can go there. There are doctors you could you can pay more to skip those lines, or you can exactly. do a common. Exactly. It's, it's the same in that. France. It's the same in France, and frankly, it's the same in every country that has uh, socialized medicine. It's not going to... Uh, it's so idiotic the way the argument is being made in the U.S. It, it, as you're saying, it's, you, you nailed it on the head, uh, Scott. It's being demonized. And even more than that, it's being, there are a huge amount of flat-out lies about what uh, a government-run healthcare program is. So, yeah, the, the, the thing I wanted to say on my level is you will get good health care, and certainly you will get better health care than what you're getting now. The issue 
you know, for a lot of people. The only issue that I can understand people arguing about is the cost issue, because it does cost a lot of money. And that, yes, make your argument on that and you have me on board, then there's something to discuss. Making the argument that you are going to die because you put... How do they put it? Like they put a bureaucrat between you and your doctor... Uh, it, as if it's better to have, as if it's better to have a guy who's thinking, I need to make money for my health insurance company between you and your doctor. That's going right. to work better. No, no, no. Yeah. See, I, if, if I've ever had a lack of good quality health care or if I've ever had an issue where payment was not going to be made or whatever, it always came down to an insurance issue. I pay them thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars over the years. And I've hardly ever had to use it. But when I've had, when we have had to use it, like for my daughter, they ding us. They screw us up. They they create a system where if I had to get another insurance carrier, I would be screwed because now they've got this pre-existing condition thing, where all I did was just simply use the a tiny portion of the probably hundreds of thousands of dollars they've gotten from me since I was a working adult. You know, it's ridiculous the way the system works now. So I, my problem is. I don't have a problem with people not liking Obama's present, you know, his 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 plan. What I have a problem with is people who don't have a damn plan for themselves want the status quo and will just spend their time professionally demonizing what oh, anything Obama proposes. So I want in other them words, to uh, Republicans. Basically, but there are others. <laughs> there's some that are there's some Democrats that are giving me gas. There's some there's some independents that are giving me gas on this. There's a lot of people that that are in the pockets of various industries and other things that I think are not for, there for our best interests. And it really, really frustrates me. I, that kind of thing, I guess, I guess all I'm saying is if you're going to have a problem with his plan, fine. Come up with another one that I can choose from. Give me a plan that's better. Instead, they're just going, bah, you're never going to get health care again. You're just going to die at the steps because the line's too long. Or blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, that, none, of that is, none of that's true, and you're insulting my intelligence. So please... You know, if you're going to represent me or be re represent any constituency in the U.S., do your damn homework and come up with something decent. That's all I'm saying. All right, uh, let's let's do the local stories now and move on to our big topic that I want to have uh, a little bit later. Um, with maybe Wait, Turkey, do you have anything for us? I have two stories. Go ahead. The first one is more international. Apparently, the swine flu is going to affect the pilgrimage to Mecca this year. Many Islamic countries are starting to ban elderly people who are over 65 and children under 12 from attending the pilgrimage this year. Wow. Hey, I'm sorry, can you repeat, and repeat that? <clears throat> uh, most Islamic countries are going to ban uh, people over 65 and under oh, wow. 12 from attending the pilgrimage in Saudi Arabia this year. Mm. Uh, I, All because I of the swine flu. Which, which makes sense, but yeah, it is pretty hard. Although... You know what? The the swine flu is probably a god sent disease, isn't it? Since God does everything, so maybe it's His uh, design that over sixty five people don't <laughs> attend. Uh, I'm just saying. Um, but uh, the the we've heard, of course, we haven't really heard about that uh, thing, which is I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of uh, the 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 pilgrimage, which is insane amount of people turning around the uh, the you know uh, how do you call it the Kaaba. Yes, thank you. Um, but yeah, so that would propagate very fast. Three million. What, what we uh, what we did hear a lot uh, about is the fact that the swine flu pandemic 
is inevitable now, that it's going to come this uh, autumn, and that the French authorities have assured us that we are prepared because they have reserved a lot of uh, vaccines, which, you know, I'm I'm, personally, I'm not worried. And the, the feeling in the country is that we're not it's not something to worry about because this, the flu, we understand that it's not a killer flu. It's just a regular flu. And if we're prepared, it's not going to be a, a, you know, a death uh, a machine. But uh, we definitely have seen a switch from a few weeks ago where people were saying, yeah, it's, you know, it's, there's a couple of cases here and there to now people are saying it is going to be a pandemic and, you know, go over the whole country this autumn. Um, have you have you had this this uh, uh, thing discussed too in the U.S. Scott, or is it you yeah? Know, Michael it's been Jackson it's been here? talked about. Well, everything that that whole thing eclipsed everything. Um, but so, do, do you guys ever. know that it's going to? You know, are, do you still think that you're going to avoid it? Or here's well, here's what the prevailing scientific research says, and that is that any pandemic of any age. Um, takes a few years to to kick in. Like it doesn't. The, the first strain is kind of mild. People freak out about it. Sort of comes and goes. Things mutate. They get worse. You'd like it's a, usually like a three year process is what the general research says for something to become truly pandemic standard quality and, and that's, stuff. That's the information that's being conveyed to the American people uh, from the news. I would think that they would go, "Oh, we're all going to die from swine flu." Oh no! There's trust me. There's still plenty of overreaction to swine flu, and everybody, you know, thinks they're going to die. But we have a really short attention span here on the whole. And I think what happens is you'll you'll have this sort of stuff being talked about, and you know, you'll literally have the world freaking out about Farrah Fawcett, and then ten minutes later, you'll have the world freaking out about about Michael Jackson and forget Farrah Fawcett ever existed. And you'll forget even more so about real important issues because you'll layer on top of that ridiculous people worship with with celebrity deaths and things. And and then what you're left with is sort of, okay, well, now that all that's settled, where are we? And people say, oh, swine flu, wasn't that so last spring? I mean, what's why is anyone talking <laughs> about that anymore? And And I think it'll probably creep up and become a problem later and people will be a little bit surprised by it. And I think it'll... You know, the, unfortunately, we can't avoid this. This is a part of nature we can't harness, control, stop, blow up, nuke, or whatever. This is something that's gonna gonna happen no matter what. And it's not a dooms. It's not a doom scenario. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just it's just natural science. This is what happens every so many years. There is a you know a flu or a bug or some kind of germ that becomes super germ because it's had a chance to do things that the human body has not become well, resistant to. You're, you're a reasonable hey, we do, person. We need, we, need, we need a super germ. We're crossing six billion people. <laughs> yeah, it sounds terrible. I mean, on the humanity level, it sounds terrible to say that. But in a way, it's true. It's like... The, it's it, nature. It is the, it's going to happen. Yeah, we well, said, when I was on this trip this week, we saw a bunch of forest fires. Not, not fires going, but forests that had been you know, burned. And in their wake, you see all these dead trees, and you see new trees coming up. And I was reminded that this is sort of nature's way of controlling forestry it's how it does it and it regenerates this is how it regenerates it kills the old stuff and it brings in the new i it's horrible that so many people are probably going to die in a pandemic like they have in the past 1918 we lost what 50 million people or something i think in this country i don't know what it was oh it was more than that but it was something like that in our country and then you know 500 600 million worldwide or something that's a lot of people but if you look at it purely academically it seems like it's sort of 
the way of things and i don't i don't know how we well, avoid it you know what got us out of the uh, of the recession in uh, you know the big 29 recession was the world war Two. we only really recovered then so yep. maybe that's something else we need Oh, there no. you go. That's our that's our program for the next 15 years. <laughs> a world war and a deadly pandemic. That's how yeah, we're going to fix it. How things. depressing. Yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> uh, Turkey, you had hey, another... World war, we make world war. Uh, now, a p- pandemic, that comes from nature. We oh, you don't know what's happening in the labs of uh, the evil scientists that rule <laughs> us behind the curtains. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, trust me, they they don't do anything that's that kills anybody before they make the vaccine for themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're sitting around it. going, "Let's call it swine flu." That sounds like a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> and then the the you know the swine association comes in and says, "We need you to eat bacon. Call it H one N one." Oh, and and then the Muslims and Jews come in and they say, "Well, you shouldn't call a swine. It's insulting for Muslims and Jews. It's like they ate pork." And <laughs> did did that really happen? Yeah, it happened in Israel and in the, the Islamic world. People were complaining of calling it swine flu. Well, that's what it is. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, the, your second story, Turkey. Go ahead. Uh, my second story. Apparently, there's some idiot in Jeddah city. This is Saudi citizen, and this guy, there's a show on a, uh, an Arabic uh, uh, satellite channel from Lebanon. It's called The Red Line, and they basically discuss things that are usually taboo to speak in public or with other people and so on in the Arab world. Like so this, guy, th- this episode was about sex. So this guy comes and invites the TV crew into his apartment, shows them the entire apartment and talks about sex how he brings girls into his apartment and how he had sex with them he shows them all the sex toys and explains everything (laughs) and we're talking about saudi arabia he's in saudi arabia okay all of that stuff is banned officially so he does that and the stupid idiot now this is where the idiot part comes in by the way, Does in the chat mask- room, people are, people are saying yay for sex. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're enthusiastic about the story already. So this idiot does not mask his face or his name. So he's on TV in his apartment. Please tell me oh. that he didn't get like in prison with lashes and... Uh, uh, he got or- arrested... Okay. Yeah, but that what's going to happen though? Is he going to get like stoned or we something? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Now there, there's uh, the government is suing him, and there's over 100 private citizens who are who are suing him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Private. Why are the citizens? private citizens suing him? Because they they saw they saw him hold up a sex toy on a on a camera or something. Yeah, because he was talking about taboo things that shouldn't be talked in public. So oh, wait, man. when you're saying like sex toys, he was he was playing with dild. Well, he was showing dildos on on yeah. on camera. Yeah, and that, okay, yeah. that's that's pretty well, graphic. Well, I mean, the cam. No, the camera did uh, mask those, but oh, okay. he did show them. So, but you see the mask and blurred. So, hmm. but he was I, doing just, it. Just, and he- just when I think we're screwed up. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's arrested, and uh, so we're what waiting he, to what see is, what's going to happen. What can happen to him? Is is anything like really serious gonna happen to him? Maybe or well, well, many of the I don't know what the government uh, case what they're asking for, 
but many of the private citizens' cases are asking for the maximum punishment. And what is Which that? Which is death, right? Well, yep. not for that. Yep. Death? Oh, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's not exactly for that. They play on words that he was um, uh, promoting the destruction of the Islamic and Arab Saudi society and stuff like that and that and that, which is, at the end, turns, if you word it right, it turns into the word terrorism. So wow. if, if uh, let's get into opinion territory and personal opinion here. Um, I, I'm sure that, I don't know what you okay, would think, one, one Turkey, minute, one but... Patrick, someone on the chat room just said, we don't have five-minute-long Viagra commercials. And <laughs> since he's talking about Viagra commercials, we, we had one- and two-minute commercials about Viagra and similar stuff on TV. And the way and they ended up being banned because they were so... The way that the people were talking, of course, they didn't show anything, but... They tried to mask the words, but it was so explicit. <laughs> they had to ban it. <laughs> so, see, Zeno in the chat room, actually, they did have uh, two-minute Viagra commercials. That's, yeah. But it, it's interesting that they were banned, though. Um, th so, about that poor guy, well, poor idiot, uh, who, who showed all those uh, sex toys... What what do you feel the people around you, like the actual normal uh, Saudis, think about this? Uh, I know as, as each time you, you we get into personal opinion, you tell me, well, it depends who you ask, which I understand, of course. But what would you say the average Saudi thinks about that uh, case? Now, most, most Saudi in general would think he's an idiot and he shouldn't have done it. Okay, but what do they think should happen to him? They think he should be, get a few lashes, stay in a jail for a month or two, and then uh, kick him out. <laughs> okay. Wow. So basically, because it's, it's the whole topic, these are still taboo, even within uh, many open-minded or liberal Saudis. These mm. are things taboo. You can talk with your friend, you can talk in a private gathering, but to go on TV and talk in public like that and confess to having sex and th that's one of the problems he's having he officially legally confessed to having non-marital sex which is officially illegal yeah in saudi arabia yeah it's so it, he I officially mean, confessed yeah to committing it, a crime it does kind of make sense in the context of saudi arabia that he would get in trouble for it now twisting it into he deserves the death penalty seems extreme even uh, for you guys uh, yeah so, yeah i, I yeah. doubt it will ever reach but some people you know some extremists did uh, sue him and ask for the death penalty but uh, i doubt it will ever get that way but i'm just saying what is going on and yeah. this guy is completely and definitely an idiot Seriously, what did he expect would happen? Of course. Well, let's let's hope that that idiot doesn't get you know too much into trouble for it and gets out in a in a couple of months with a slap on the wrist in the form of no more than a few lashes. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 Um, let's move on to my stories where I'm going to destroy all the good uh, uh, you know lessons I was giving to the U.S. by showing you what happens when you slide slowly into socialism. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to destroy all credibility here, but my duty is to Norway be is honest. doing fine. I'm sorry? Said so I think Norway is doing fine, slipping into socialism. Yeah, that's very true. It's actually not slipping into socialism. It's just slipping into Frenchness. 
that's dangerous yeah. for you. <laughs> um, so what happened over the past few months? I'm not going to get into the specifics, and I'm going to glaze over it because it's so ridiculous. But a few people uh, in a couple of companies, you know, I've been talking about strikes a lot for, you know, forever. And people actually uh, sequestering uh, their bosses because they weren't happy with the firing of, of some employees. And what happened that made quite a bit of noise in the past couple of weeks was that a few people from a, um, a contractor for uh, car uh, industry companies decided that, well, the, 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 they got the contracts taken away from them and they wanted to get compensated. So what they did was that they tied some uh, uh, gas tanks to the robots and the uh, assembly lines in their factory and were threatening to blow everything up um, unless they were heard and unless they were, you know, being negotiated with, which was a huge deal. And I don't want anyone to think that this happens all the time, but it's not like... <sighs> What was really shocking to me, and there's a fair part of the population that thinks like me, was the fact that in some political circle, circles, that this was regarded as almost acceptable. I'm being careful to say almost, because, you know, people were dancing around the issue saying, well, yeah, that's not the right way to do it, but what the uh, corporation is doing is un unacceptable too so you know it's a, it's too bad that we have to get to those extremes to get people to the negotiating table which okay there's there's a lot of debate happening around this so i'm not going to get into the specifics but this is what happens and they were indeed threatening to take quite frankly terrorist measures and they were taking the 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 the, the assets uh, hostage in order to start the negotiations so, yeah, that's that. What do you guys think about <laughs> that kind of thing? I I will go. I'll go. I'll go just through history once again and say thank God you, they didn't start chopping off heads. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Scott. What does that I just, inspire? I, I think it sounds uh, ridiculous. I think it sounds uh, like you could be reading this story from the Middle Ages to me, and I would say, oh, okay, that sounds about right. Okay. That's how I feel about it. It's, it sounds just completely ridiculous and off the, off the charts, old school, dumb, lame. See, that, I can't even think of another word. That's something that would I, I would think the U.S. could take as an example and not even have to blow it up like the Republicans could say, hey, look at what they're doing in France. And in that case, of course, you know, you would have to take it and generalize it, which it's not always like that. But y sure. you could say, look at this. That's where socialism gets you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. and they and I wouldn't put them past them to do it. I mean, and perhaps they already have taken grabbed the story and run with it. I don't know, but um, yeah, you could see how they would easily they yeah. could easily use that and, and twist that to be um, a good example of why we need to steer clear of anything remotely like socialism. But I'd go back to my same argument, which is yeah, we're already doing many things that we as taxpayers want, desire, and need. You know, we need our legal system to be subsidized by the by the government and to be backed yeah. by the government so that we can properly sue our neighbor for their dog crapping on our lawn <laughs> or whatever. Well, you know, it's it's as Turkey was saying, it's it's not really a socialist issue because Sweden is doing fine. 
it's more of a you know country culture problem which is indeed a problem and but you know sure. full disclosure on the Felix club we don't just tell you what what uh, advances our side of the argument it is also it comes with some measure of problems and uh Kalanor on the chat room is saying uh that the tour is also going on the tour de france And that's the most boring thing ever, so I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> But I, I understand that that people, some people in the U.S. are really fascinated by, by the, you know, cycling. So, there you go. Turkey, mm. uh, do you love guys in tights on bikes? I prefer women in tights on bikes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, good answer. You? Could they put him in prison and lash him for saying that on the on a podcast? Or I think they be, might. Be, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which curious. is why we keep your identity secret. You're not actually <laughs> called uh, Turkey, and your voice is being uh, uh, processed in real time. Uh, Scott, any local stories? Uh, yeah, well, we've talked local. about the U.S. a lot, so maybe you know. Usually, local news <clears throat> from your country, so maybe you want to pass because we've. Well, I'll give you a sh I'll give you a short one, and it's okay. a tech-related one. Um, it's interesting that we 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 gained. See, and this is going to reverse what I, I'm generally perceived by people as a as as a supporter of Obama, and that I I like him. And and, I, and truth be told, I do. I think he's a good man with with some good ideas. I could care less of what party he's in. But um, one of the things that he did when he came into office is he made this big deal about how the his administration was going to be very technologically transparent. He was going to keep that BlackBerry no matter who tried to pry it from his hands. You know, he was very progressive in this way, very connected, uh, as opposed to Bush, who I'm pretty sure didn't know what a computer was. <laughs> and uh, so that was very exciting for a lot of us to hear that. Well, as it turns out, um, it came out this week that Twitter is banned from any sort of use within the White House. And the reason I bring this up is not that that's a big deal. I, I, I kind of understand why it would be. It would be like any company, for example, saying, sorry, no Twitter in the office, and I get why they would do that. And there's a million reasons why. But I do find it interesting that there is still an official White House Twitter feed. So, Turkey, since you're big on the conspiracy theories, who do you think is maintaining the official White House Twitter feed, and how are they actually doing this, despite the fact that Twitter is banned officially in the White House? Because oh, that's 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 easy. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Homeland security. Oh, all right. Yeah, that they need they need to post all of those uh, fake tweets to confuse all the terrorists out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like I, uh, sorry. When Obama's when Obama's traveling, it's like he may be in the Middle East, but the Twitter feed's like Obama's sitting here in the White House having coffee near the fire. <laughs> Well, no. it's it's understandable, as you were saying, that they would ban Twitter from, from the White House because, I mean, the first things we heard from the, all those senators and, and congressmen, congresspeople, Twittering, and, you know, it, it, does, it does seem a little bit unorderly after a while when you have people Twittering about stuff that's silly or ridiculous or that they shouldn't be Twittering about, but... I don't really see a problem with the fact that the White House has an, an official Twitter feed, as they, you know they have a website. It's isn't it the same thing? Yeah, uh, there, there are some nice comments in the chat room, Patrick. You should take a look. <laughs> Which one? Go ahead. You got the while well, first thing. Uh, you need to know Bush used to use email before 2000. 
Okay. Uh, rock and apparently, Japan. it's banned inside the White House, but nobody said anything about the lawn. <laughs> Bush was a Hotmail user, it's my guess. Very possible. AOL, used AOL. And uh, Zeno yeah, is saying. And, and Obama is stealing Wi Fi from his neighbors. <laughs> from the Lincoln Memorial. They got great Wi Fi. <laughs> okay, good one. Um, let's move on to the story. The thing I wanted to talk about, uh, the, the big topic that I wanted to talk about first, which got pushed to the end, but that's okay because it was interesting, um, was actually China. Because Scott and I were on uh, East Meets West a couple of weeks ago, and we talked briefly about the Uyghurs and the Hans and the, the issues in China. And uh, they the, the comments went on on the East Meets West uh, uh, blog. Uh, it's, you know, the, the podcast with Tom Merritt and Roger Chang, uh, which are, who are friends. Um, yep. And, and I got taken to task on, on the blog because I said, well, look at what happened in China with the totalitarian regime. Um, they just settled the issue straight away, got a few people killed, a few people in prison, but at least it was efficient and they got the matter solved, resolved. And some people actually took it to mean that I was supporting totalitarian regimes, which... Of course, I'm not. I was making a joke. I was just making a point that when you kill people, you get you know them scared into doing nothing easily yeah. or more easily than just asking them to keep you know in order. Um, but anyway, that got me to think about something else. And, and uh, a, a few people talked about China and the fact that... Um, will very possibly be the major economic force in the world uh, pretty soon, if it's not already. And uh, again, on East Meets West, uh, Tom and Roger discussed the fact that Japan used to be destined to be the major force and everyone was learning Japanese. And uh, today, a lot of people are starting to learn Chinese. And so I figured, let's get a few people in here and talk about our future in a Chinese-dominated world as it seems that it's going. First of all, do we think it's going to happen? And second of all, um, does it mean that we are going to have a Chinese culture be the dominating uh, um, you know, culture in the world? Or are we going to have uh, Chinese influences? Or I will start with uh, the idea that Jap Japan was destined to be, you know, everyone was learning Japanese, but now, as we have learned, Japan is not, you know, hasn't taken over the world. Do we really think that China might actually become a dominant force uh, culturally as well as, as economically, or is something going to happen and America will prevail? Turkey, I'm guessing you're going to say, no, America will not prevail because you hate America. <laughs> hey, you know I like America. I live of there. Of course, I'm teasing. <laughs> yeah, you I, can, I, this I is, this is like a country where you can you can show dildos on TV here and get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt that on public TV. Yeah, let's see that. Hey, you haven't seen Comedy Central or uh, Insult the Comedy do or what is it? Whatever it is, Insult Conan O'Brien. Uh, yeah, Insult that's cable TV. Dog. No, nah, dude, that's I'm network TV. Over the air. I'm talking yeah. about over the air. That is, that's NBC, over the air, regular TV. 
they can do that stuff no problem. You know, and even if you did something that offended the FCC, you ain't getting whipped for it. Anyway, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, you just, pay, get, pay, you just pay some money and just get off. Yeah. Well, well, so you're talking about China and about the whole culture and trying to dominate the world. Actually, today you just heard the news: China is launching an Arabic new channel. Really. Targeted to the Arab world, the Middle East, to introduce China to the Arab world. And China already has an English channel, a French sp- channel, and a Spanish channel. That's, yeah. that's what, what's the, the idea behind the uh, behind having, because English I can understand, but it, it's like Chinese people speaking in a different language. What's the, what's the idea? Yeah, yeah, the the uh, anchors in the channel are going to be all Chinese who speak Arabic. So that's going to be so, interesting. And actually, actually, for I've, if if people who would watch satellite TV in in the Arab world would have noticed that the Arab world has recently been targeted by different nations, like we have right now, we have BBC in Arabic. We have a French channel in Arabic, a French news channel, I think it's called French 24. We have uh, Russian, Russian to Russia Today in Arabic. We have a Korean, we have two Korean channels from Korea broadcast here in Arabic. And now we're having a Chinese channel. Well, I, I can understand why the other ones, maybe even France... I mean, the other ones, it might be a, a commercial interest. For France... No, it, no, 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 no. These are all government. Oh, okay. So All of these channels are government channels, except, I think, Korea. Korea is not a government channel. So in the case of China, it would be very clear that it's a way to present the, um, the Chinese view of the world to the you know, Arab and Hispanic and other. Uh, okay, let, let me let me tell you. Uh, I have it here in Arabic, so let me try to translate the code they use, which is basically roughly translates says that it's finally time for us to bring the real China to the Arab world and not rely on all of these lies that Western media pr- produce about China. Which is a fair, you know, if China wasn't a, a totally a totally. Ah totalitarian uh, <laughs> propaganda machine, it would be a fair argument to make. But um, it's interesting. So, so what do you take away from that? Is, is China actually expanding to become an... an em- because my uh, view of it was, you know, we have the old world, France, UK, uh, French, Fr- uh, you know, um, Spain, Italy, which made the, the, the dominant force, Europe made the dominant force until maybe 200 years ago. Then the emergence of the U.S., which is now the dominant empire even in, in, in the world. Is it, do we think that in 50 years from now, China is going to be the, the main, uh, you know, the big dog in the world? I think China is already a big dog in the world. It's a I big dog, but it's not, it's not the, the, you know, the big dog. Today, the U.S. is it the will- big dog. It will be the big dog if my, if my theory of the U.S. being broken up into different countries <laughs> happens. What the crap? <laughs> hey, California and Texas, first two states going independent. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that those were the two that we had to fight the, the Spanish for to get in the first place. 
<laughs> um, oh, and there's, you know, and there's a two that can go independent without even worrying about it. Look, actually, you know, it's funny the way you, the, what you just said is interesting because I think it applies to my opinion on China, which is simply this. I think it's a lot more complicated than we think, and here's why. It is simply a geographic issue in my mind. China is a big-ass country. I mean, they are f- so big that and when I, I spent some time in China, a couple of weeks, and when I was in uh, a certain province... I remember this weird feeling, this distinct impression I got from the people there. Because I wanted to know all about China as a whole, coast to coast, top to bottom. You know, what's the culture like? How are things going here? Blah, blah, blah. And they just looked at me funny like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in Beijing. We have no idea. And I, and I realized that we are talking about a geographic anomaly here for a single country. In the U.S., for me to travel from Utah to, I don't know, California is like 12 hours of driving. For me to drive to Texas, it's like 20 hours. For me to drive all the way to the East Coast is maybe, I don't know, 32 hours or something. It's not, we are a very, very small country, geographically speaking. China, to drive anywhere for 20 hours, might get you out of the province you're in, if you're lucky. And when I guess what I'm getting at is the population of these small cities within China are bigger than, than entire countries. And they're... They are, they're not necessarily governed that way, but they're, they're so big that you just, it's just not the same, the same animal. So to come up with well, a sort of Scott, unified... Scott, I, just, I just checked Wikipedia. The United States and China are exactly the same size, almost. What, in physical, physical dimensions were the same? Yeah. yeah. How can that be? An area. area no, covers. Asia is way bigger what? than we are. No, China well, and not the United a, not States... Asia, but... Um, China and the United States are almost exactly the same. You can check it. I just check it right now. It's in front of me. Wait, now you were, where are you? Wikipedia? <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia. Yeah, because I, I don't know. That seems strange to me. But let's okay. Well, let's okay. let's argue that that's true. <laughs> population speaking or population wise, they're obviously far more. I, dude, you're telling me there is more than 1.5 billion people living in the exact, roughly the exact geographical areas of the U.S. That can't be right. <laughs> It can't be right. They still have tons of rural areas. They have a lot hey, of other that, stuff. Hey, that's, 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 what's Wikipedia telling me? They put the area in square miles and square kilometers, and it's almost exactly the same. I don't know. I got, there's something fishy with that. But for the sake of, for the sake of argument, let's say it, let's say it is. Uh, they, nobody knows what the crap's going on. There, there's no unification in that country. There may be unified sort of control over over law in the major cities and stuff, but there's not there's nothing else. I mean, I went to cities where there's no stop signs, no stoplights, complete anarchy on the roads. Guys riding around in on bicycles stacked high with like 400 pounds of rags next to brand new Lexuses. And I saw somebody get hit with one of those cars. And what did they do? They got out of the car and walked the other way. There's no sense of law and order. There's none of that kind of stuff. But it it still sort of happens and goes. But in so a city mean, like Beijing is a big shining example of technology and, and forward thinking and, and commerce and all of this other stuff. And then you got another 900-mile drive away. You've got a, a rural area where nobody knows there's even a city that far down south. It's, it, there's no unified sort of communication. There's Nobody knows what the left hand is doing. If I hear about a murder in Ohio, I know about it. A guy in Beijing has no idea what somebody in Shenzhen, you know, bur- they burned down a factory. They have no idea. So and, and, and to me, there's no unification. A, do you think the... But China does look like a, a, an entity. It's not like, well, from our point of view, maybe that's the uh, 
you know, political machine doing it, but it does seem like one force doing something. So it, it but you're saying that this, uh, this disorganization of the country is going to prevent them from becoming, you know, one uh, unified culture dominating the world as yes. the U.S. Yes. is today? Well, I am, I am saying that because without that unification and without that sort of common, everybody's sort of at least on the same page sort of sensibility to the country, they would have been and should have been the superpower long time ago. If this well, is if Scott, the argument Scott, is Scott, the U.S. had what three hundred, two hundred plus years to reach where they are. China officially didn't start until in the late seventies because that, which is after Mao, where modern China started, and that you have to wait. You just need to give it time. Things are going to change. It, or the, things already changed dramatically. I'm just saying purely on the argument of if the argument is that China is going to be dominant because they're a big dominant force today. I guess all I'm saying is, oh, okay, well, what stopped him before Mao? Okay, well, why did Mao stop him? I don't know. Well, why didn't the guy before that make it happen? What about the dynasty times? I don't know. Freaking don't whatever. Know, you know, when, when I'm thinking about uh, world domina domination, I'm thinking about influence uh, mainly. And certainly China can have a lot of influence, but I'm also reminded of the fact that, as I was saying before, Japan was supposed to be, you know, have a major influence in the world. And certainly it has some influence, but it started its rise in the 70s and the 80s. And Well, it started before, but it reached its peak maybe in the in the late 80s. And by now, 20 years later, we should have a lot of what counts, what's important in the world today, having come out of the Japanese, uh, maybe not culture, but machine. And as I understand it, maybe it's because I am uh, uh, too much ingrained in, in technology, but the really important thing came still came out of the United States. And that's going to be things like the Internet. And even after the Internet was invented, uh, things like the big, the big companies like uh, Google, Yahoo, um, uh, uh, eBay, uh, all of them are American companies. And yeah, Microsoft, it, Apple, everybody. Yeah, yeah and, and it, it should have been... Uh, it should have come from Japan. And certainly there are big companies in Japan. I'm not saying there aren't, but it, it's interesting to me that the really big success, success stories come from the US. And my theory about this, as, as you guys might know, I've spent a little bit of time in Japan and I've studied the, the country, is that it doesn't foster enough of individual, um, individual, uh, how to say it, um, individual not entrepreneurial but inventive inventiveness or will will to to make stuff happen by yourself in the sense that you want to express your yes innovation as lady Locke is saying in the chat room um uh innovation and uh will to you know creativity that's the word it doesn't have a, it doesn't foster creativity And yeah. that's an important factor for actually bringing new and, and interesting things and influential things to the world. And it seems to me that this is something that is a little bit, I don't know too much, but that's an impression. It's a little bit common to the Asian culture. And I know that some people are going to rise up and say, hey, this is a generalization. And, but I see a lot of similarities in, in, in China and Korea 
to Japan in that sense. So I'm wondering if there's not something that, that is missing today that might come later, but that is missing today uh, in, in the Asian part of the world, and especially in China, when you consider that it's, it is a communist regime that does uh, put a big impediment on, on individual liberties, it, are they neutering the, their chances for influence in the sense that they are killing in the you know in the bud the the innovation in the country it, I, I, I think I, it's I think gonna... I think it's ideology and language that stopped uh, Japan from uh, getting so much like Google and so on because English is the international language long time ago and Japan uh, is hardly speaks English there as far as I know and then we have the ideology Jap Japan and most of Asian countries are very closed on, on themselves they only think about their own people about their own selves they really don't go international that much in uh, a lot of aspects I agree with both of you. I think that I think that what you just said, Turkey supports what Patrick said, which is there's there needs to be a cultural revolution that embraces creativity, innovation, freedom, um, and the ability to to take an idea from the garage to the to the corporate market, and and that does, just doesn't exist there yet. When I was there, um, and I was in factory cities and stuff, those people are interested in one thing, and that is running a factory as cheaply as they can employing people for as little money as possible, keeping them on, on campuses that are on the factory grounds, and producing products that the American companies are producing. That is that can, is their focus. Can, can't an argument, by the way, Alex Jr. in the chat room is saying that it was free f thinking that allowed the U.S. to flourish, and that's es essentially that what we're saying. Um, but can't the argument be made that this is a transition phase that they have to go through because as you know, they were severely underdeveloped countries until the beginning of the century. And in, in some cases, you know, some provinces in China are, are still to this day. So can't we say that this is a transition that they need to make until the population is educated enough that it can rise to the level of creativity that we know in our old countries today? Well, if they value the if they value things like education, that does happen over time. It's like, you know, one could argue that the reason uh, the USA, you know, sprung up so quickly and so uh, rapidly and and became innovative in so many ways, and even you know, even in the last fifty years, what you know, why we're more or why we're considered so innovative. I think it really comes down simply to this: the country was founded on principles of education is important we should be teaching our children those children should go to school people should get as best educated as they can they need to th think freely they need to not be suppressed for their thoughts they need to be able to say things that they feel and not you know be thrown in jail for it those kinds of values are the things that sort of cap off this kind of cultural revolution it's the kind of thing that makes it has its problems it has its faults i mean okay the plastics injury or injury in industry in this country is an enormous industry. Plastic is used in everything. We make a billion trillion things with plastic. We make life-saving airbags out of plastic plastic materials, but we also make dildos. You see what I'm saying? It's like we're, we we the 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 unsavory comes with the good. We're going to have hey, people who don't don't knock the dildos. They provide lots of valuable uh, services to some women. I was going to say to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt I that coming. I was going to say the same so. thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. It's yeah, like yeah, of course. You have to you you create a a bed of of 
I am free to 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 not just do what I want and shoot my neighbor in the face, but I'm free to innovate and think for myself and create. I mean, I, I feel the benefits of that every day with what I do. Well, my in, whole life revolves around the fact that I have the freedom and the and the motivation, and and the man, and the personal mandate to be the most creative human being I can be. It's what I do for a living. I mean, so so to me, yeah. it's invaluable. And I think a country like China to reach that stage needs those fundamental values for everyone in China across the board, not just Beijing, you know, rich people. Which, by the way, in uh, in in Japan, I could see that happening. And and a, a cultural uh, twist, uh, giving them, getting them to value uh, creativity and and innovation and personal opinion, but in China, as many have noted in the chat room again, it would mean that they would have to depart from the totalitarian regime that that you know they currently that currently makes them strong actually because it's what you know allows them to. Uh, get the working conditions that they can that they have, and well, a lot of a lot of other things too. So maybe China is not going to be able to get there in that uh, in their current state. Which would so are we saying that China is not going to become uh, the the next world empire ruler of the world? Well, Patrick, I recommend people. There's a very great book about Mao, which is, of course, title is Mao. It's a very great book. It's huge. And I think it really gives you an impression of what China went through and what is going through now, because it's, it's a completely different country during the Mao era. We're seeing a completely different country. So that would be in the 80s. China only started in a modern way in the 80s, and it's just moving slowly. And it's going to take time, but I think China is going to reach that. And there are companies coming out of China that innovate. Not, all, not everything there is copied and pirated, although most is at the moment. But you have some big companies working in there. One one company that comes to mind, we have a company, a telecommunications company called Hoyo. Now, this is one of the biggest. Turkey, it's I'm, growing I'm, so fast. Turkey, I'm sorry, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, can you try to speak for a second? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to hang up and call you back just now. Okay. Huh. Maybe that... Up. Maybe he has that uh, that Chinese telecommunication company handling his uh, internet connection. Maybe All the right. government found out finally, and he said the word dildo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep going, Turkey. Yeah, I'm just saying if this is a really different country from what we used to be during the Mao era, and it's it's really needs time to develop and improve. And as I said, there's one company for that comes to mind, which called Hoyo. I think it's pronounced Hoyo or something like that. And it's one of the biggest telecommunications company in the world, and it's expanding so fast and innovating so fast it's it's starting to overcome many of the known companies in the west so it's it's it's, it's going to take time it's going to take uh, things for the people themselves to develop it needs time for the government to develop and it's just going to take time but i really think china is going to be a major power it's going to be the major power so do you, do you expect do, do you expect, like, let's say in 50, 60, 70 years, China to be the new dominant force and maybe the U.S. becoming the old world and, you know, Europe being the old, old world? Yeah, and I think the only competition, the only possible competition for China is India. could rise. What? India? 
uh, India it's going to be a completely different culture. India, I don't, I don't see India anyway close to China or being dominant world. It's going to be a powerful country, but as a dominant culture, I really find that difficult because China ha uh, what makes India different from China is India still has this entire ideology which is based on religion and fake culture, where there's different classes in that country officially. Well, that so, can evolve too. No, it's still there. You go there, it's very normal. You see it anywhere. So mm. that's, that's, that's harder to change than uh, a country that's already d dissolved such uh, ranks in society. So okay. I don't think uh, India is ready. I think India needs at least 100 years before it so you can. So you think China well. is more ready than India? Yeah, so what's, I, believe, what's the other, I believe China. What's the only the, the other, other country, country is, is yeah. it's an old country that might be Russia. able to come back. Russia. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the only country I think that might have a chance to come back. And if Putin keeps on doing what he's doing, I think there's a very good chance it might actually reach that point. So start learning Russian and Chinese. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think any of those two languages are going to dominate. I think both countries are going to end up adopting English. I think it, right now English is the international official language. And to be honest, no matter how much you, people might hate English or prefer their own language, English is the easiest one to learn. So, so, so here's my question, though. So what you've just suggested is that the two communist, the two major communist countries in this world are they going to be the two that succeed the most and end up winning overall? Well, yep. Russia is because they're, they're, they're moving away from communism. They're <laughs> getting and and they and they're in a way they are lucky compared to the U.S. because the U.S. went all the way to capitalism and is starting to hurt it because now those countries can learn from the U.S. the mistakes the U.S. have been doing. Yeah, but I would argue, I don't know, it's a, maybe for a different show topic, but I'd argue that Putin is, is getting back to the roots of uh, what Russia's, you know, Russia's heyday in communism was. And maybe that's just our oppression over here through the press, but it seems like he's, well, he's definitely... Well, look, no, not, not he's the heyday of communism. He's, he's, he's kind of a dictatorship, but this is still, uh, is, I wouldn't label it as communism. There's a difference between... Uh, yeah, there is still strong, entrepreneurship and, and yeah. companies and free market yeah, in yeah. Russia. It's, a, it's different between a strong, powerful yeah. uh, leader who has the power to do stuff and between a, a government where it takes control of everything. So, so, so Turkey, what would you say that makes China so strong? Is it the sheer number of people? Because, you know, if, they, if, they, uh, if it's not um, culture, if it's not no, language, no, no. what is it? it, it it's, it's not the sheer number. If it was about sheer numbers, China would have been a major power during the Mao era. It hasn't. It's not about numbers. It's basically China has been taking advantage of of uh, schooling and uh, science, and they're starting to teach their people. And they and they have they crossed lines since the Mao era. They were they are sending people to the U.S. to Europe, uh, to Japan, to different countries won't, in the world to learn and educate. To, won't that lead to some measure of going away from communism at some point, though? 
It will. It will. China China is going to end up as a socialist state. It will not continue as a communist. I never. I don't believe China is going to last long as a communist state. It's going to be dissolved slowly within, and it's going to turn into a, just a socialist state. It's hardly communist now, even. Yeah. yeah. So well, so in, in some now, in but. some respects, I mean, the 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 free market is maybe stronger than ever in China. It, effectively stronger than ever but they do have a stranglehold on communications and media and you know on the military is very strong i mean you know we know what china is about so oh yeah socially speaking there's no question that that's that's all remained and and all that but when it comes it's it's this weird double standard because on the other hand they've completely embraced a very capitalist side of themselves and i don't see them stopping anytime soon so what do you where where do you scott you don't think they're going to be a dominant force well not the dominant force but where do you see them in in 50 to 70 years i see them as a dominant force economically but i think that their economic status in the world today and in the future is going to be very dependent on other dominant cultures and the u.s being one of them europe being another and, and really all over the world china honestly china is nothing without these other uh, countries right now. And I don't mean this in a superiority way. I'm just saying that's what this is all built on. The, yeah, but the it, incredible- it could... It could develop well, into a, a, a an economically uh, self-reliant force. You know, not completely, completely, completely not true. completely yeah. self-reliant, but just as much as we are today. Because certainly they don't have enough consumers who have enough income to support the the their industries there now. But you know, fifty, seventy years from now. We have to remember that. I I agree with this. I agree with what you're saying. The thing is that China, or the deal with Japan was, Japan was a post-war mess, okay? We, (laughs) they were nuked. They were the first country in the world to be nuked. They were. They had all of these issues, all of these problems, economic and otherwise, social. They were the first country, Scott. I thought they were the only country in the world to be. Well, nuked. that's what I mean. I'm just saying. Hey, there's always <laughs> there's always the future. Um, but yeah, so they so they get they have all these problems, and what? How did they pull out of that and become a dominant economy? And in fact, this I think are they still the second largest economy? I think they might be. I don't know. Yeah, they but, they are. Yeah. So how do they get from there to there? Well, they got there from there to there because. Europe and the U.S. and others said, "All right, we're not enemies anymore. We've all come to the table and said, let's 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 help Japan become a, a viable, you know, player in this world." And they were the China of their time. And I've always said this in the past that the Chinese are the Japanese of the future. And it sounds ridiculous, and I said it on Extra Life Radio, which nobody can really take seriously, but I really meant it because at the time Japan was then the country that made all the super really cheap stuff and people worked for pennies and they would make really crappy cars in the beginning but they were really inexpensive and as time went on wages got higher quality got better and it got to the point where you could no longer look to japan and say now that's the cheap place to manufacture our trinkets now the cheap place to do that is china and as china grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and becomes more of an economic power of their own right the way japan did they will not be a good place for U.S. companies, innovative U.S. companies, to go and say, this is why I want to manufacture my stuff. They will then turn to what I believe will be Africa. And then Africa will be the Chinese of the future. And then we're out of people. And then it becomes a dystopian uh, place of fog and, <laughs> and terrible robots. And that's, that's the part I worry about. Of course, I won't be here then. But the point is that I really do believe that that's the succession. And so, Korea, but- Korea went through a similar sort of parallel existence with Japan, maybe a little bit later, but... 
So I, I guess my my question at the beginning was, are, are we going to see Chinese culture invade the world in the same way that American culture, you know, it's in, in very trivial things like movies and, 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 uh, and music and things like that. And even, you know, Twitter and, and the Google and all of that. Are those be going to, you know, coming from China in the future? And you... Well, Turkey seems to be saying yes, maybe, and Scott, you're saying no. Well, that's uh, a well, part. Yeah, well, like, uh, let's let's separate culture from 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 money or government. I think that's where I think we definitely won't see them in the dominant culture because the things that people think are culturally unique to China right now are oftentimes derivative of what they've taken from us or someone else. The Hong Kong movie scene, which is insane and awesome, is derivative of the film industry that that was really founded and innovated here and, and other places. Um, that's just one tiny example. But my time spent there, the culture of China. When you talk about it, the, the mainstream sort of not, I'm not talking about farmers and stuff, but like people in Beijing, let's say, is fashion and cars and computers and hair and all this BS that, that is already that a cultural thing. Is yeah, it saying. isn't like they're bringing anything incredibly unique to the table. And in my opinion, the thing I see from common people culturally over there is a lot of drinking, a lot of smoking, a lot of smoking. I've never met more people that smoked more cigarettes in my life than the time I spent in Japan. And a lot of karaoke bars, which is a Japanese influence anyway, and a lot of karaoke girls, which is good old fashioned, you know, since the beginning of time prostitution. And I, I didn't see much else. I hate to say it. I just didn't see anything anything else. And in my opinion, it is more likely that French cultural influence will become larger and take over more of the world than we'll see come out of China, from what I can tell now. I just don't see anything that's happening that you go, wow, that is so uniquely Chinese. Japan is up on the, is still up on them with that. I would say India has more of that than they do. Hmm. There's a lot of sort of derivative leftovers going on in China. I, th I think China it has a two problem with China. China, first of all, they lost a lot of their culture during the Mao era. A lot of culture aspects during that period were banned. And yeah, which was the whole China. point of the cultural yeah. revolution. Yeah, so 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 they're just trying to catch up and getting their own culture back, which is a difficult thing after losing it for so long, and then you have the influence of the uh, other cultures already invading uh, China, and also China is playing, is, is entering the field of expanding its culture late compared to other uh, countries in the world, and specifically in Asia. Uh, we have Korea has been very aggressive. I don't know how far in uh, it is in the U.S., but here it's, uh, Korea has been very aggressive. There are right now broadcast in and by satellite here. I can receive right now three, wait three three different Korean channels already, and they all are targeted at this area. So Korea has been going through that. Uh, yep. Japan has already had their influence, and their uh, in some way it's not as big as some cultures, but they did get their cultural influence out. At least you know about Japan. You hear about it. You you know they do this, they do that. Even if they, you haven't adopted it, but if we're moving there. China is just very late. China doesn't have so you think it's that going culture. To come. It doesn't have that cultural heritage to fall on to, back to, to yeah, expand. Or at least it, it's lost it. And maybe yeah, they, it yeah, but, yeah, that's so, what I meant. They lost I, I agree it, with so, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree I guess, with that. They, they have I, to build it. 
I guess we, we sort of agree that there's almost a world culture today and even more with the with the <clears throat> with the advent of the internet and by the way I think if web 2.0 was social web I think web 3.0 will be real time web and that means that it brings a, even it shrinks the planet even more so oh, yeah. if if we if the culture is now a human culture more than a country based culture maybe that leaves language and People might laugh when I'm saying that, you know, maybe in the future we're going to see all our movies in Chinese. But, you know, 100 years ago, well, there weren't movies. But if you had said we're going to see all our movies in, in English, it might have been silly because, no, we're, you know, each country has their own language. So maybe the language will become dominant. But Turkey, you're saying again, it's not going to be Chinese because now you know, English is the standard and it's going to stay that way. You don't see well, it shifting well, again. Well, my, my point of view is, uh, and I could be completely wrong, I'm not uh, an expert in languages, but as far as, as what I have read and know, uh, Chinese language is not the type of language that's easily adopted. It's not very practical. And you notice that a lot, even if, uh, if, as far as I know, in China, they use a lot of English words because it's the, Ch the Chinese language is not flexible enough to adapt. And, and, and by to, the way, they have, they have at least three or four major dialects that are completely different from one another. So it's not really <coughs> one Chinese language, which is yes, another, exactly. yeah. Yeah, so so I really find so, it difficult for the Chinese so, language to expand. I think they would. It's it's more. Uh, I believe uh, more in them learning English than them teaching the people Chinese. So no intrinsic Chinese culture that can easily be transmitted. No English, Chinese language. Uh, what's not, left? Not is there... at this period. Not at this period. I, okay. As I told, they lost everything. Yeah, they not, in, not ma maybe not as we can see in the uh, yeah. d future, you know, mid to distant future. Um, yes. But what about maybe a company that creates the next, uh, the next Google or the next, you know, whatever, what we were talking about for before. Uh, Do you think that's, that that's that going to be very difficult unless the, the, that all comes down to censorship in the government? So again, we go back to them needing a, a more open form of, you know, government and country. Yeah, the, yeah the, the way I see it, we're going to see a lot of uh, innovations in technology before innovations in Internet or social innovations in China at the beginning. We're going to see a lot of technology innovations coming slowly from China. And as things uh, progress and as China turns into a socialist state, we're going to start to see all of these uh, social uh, technologies coming out. Okay, e even technology. Maybe some Chinese company is going to come out with a, a thing that's even better than the iPhone or something completely different we didn't even think we needed. And they're going to make that. Do you guys think that might be an area? Because I I'm a little bit surprised here. Every that's, conclusion that's we're possible. coming to. And, that's and, possible. And but but to the, they to, need I'm to sorry, build just a brand a name. To, to the listener, just, of course, you already know that. But we don't know anything. We're just talking out of our behinds here. So it's not like we're <laughs> thinking <laughs> to, ourselves, we're, we're, to ourselves we're even making actual sense. We're just a bunch of guys chatting, you know, around a virtual <laughs> coffee table. But... Yeah. Um, I'm not sensing a lot of, uh, yes, China is indeed going to become something really important because culture, no. Language, no. Uh, you know, social invention, no. What's left? T just technology? Money. Money. 
Yeah, yeah, economics. yeah of course. Yeah, and, I think and, economics. Who owns what country in the world owns the largest amount of, of U.S. bonds and that controls the U.S. economy at this moment? Well, you know yeah. what? If, if I live on, in a country that's basically owned by China, but let's talk extremes here. China owns the world, which it owns pr a pretty big part of as of today. But China owns the world, but we still are the ones who are doing, and let's talk, you know, adversarial uh, uh, process here. We still are the ones who are winning the cultural aspect of, of, of things. We, we do the movies, the, the, the music, the innovation, uh, and all that. Is that really a big deal that China owns all of us and our souls? They don't own anything. They own a bunch of bonds. It doesn't, in the end, mean that much. It's not like they can suddenly go, I'm the owner of your country. I now demand that you all wear hats that say blah, 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 or something. They can't do that. Yeah, it's it not what well, it is. It, it, they don't have any power. Uh, today, it, things might change, but they don't have any decision power over all of these. But uh, No, they don't. But, I mean, look at, okay, I got one last example to, to okay. give you about the whole Asian thing. So I, I, I would argue that this needs to happen quicker than it is happening in China for this to work. We keep saying, oh, well, eventually they need time to build up their culture. That's fine. I understand that. But look at the speed at which Japan did it. Within 30 years of the complete destruction of that company, they were the second largest that economy country. in the world. Japan. Yeah. No, you said that company. Um, you said that company. Oh, I meant country. Sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, I meant yeah that, that the company of Japan, <laughs> Japan LLC. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Now, uh, Korea is another great example, and I have a very personal experience with this. When I was uh, 10 years old, we adopted. Oh, uh, actually, a little bit before that, but we adopted our last Korean sibling. My parents adopted two sisters and a brother from Korea. My sister's as infants and my brother when he was 10. And they were all orphans and there was a huge orphan problem there in uh, in Korea. And it, very, I, I'm, very I'm curious by the way, what why did they even is, was that as a good thing to do to help the world? Maybe you don't want to answer that in that. No, point. no, I can answer that. That's fine. My parents believed very much that they could make a difference at least in their in these individual lives if they would take these kids out of poverty. The truth is the girls the girls on average if you're an orphan girl you were headed toward prostitution and death. That was your choices in life. Uh, my brother Matt would have probably gone on to be a you know a honey bucket carrier and uh, died at a young age or something. Um, very cult culturally looked down upon. It was a big mess at the time, and there was a lot of this going on. A lot of Korean Americans being created through this through this adoption process, and my parents were very interested in doing that. My mom had also had about eight miscarriages and really wanted more kids, so that was one reason too. Okay. Um, but anyway, so we bring over these Koreans, and, and it was a very interesting upbringing for me, and I, and I really enjoyed it. It gave me a lot of insight, and to this day, it still serves me pretty well. Um, but what's interesting is, so that was like 30 years ago. Looking at Korea today, South Korea, that is a totally different country. That is an innovative country, a successful country, an economically sound country, a country with great freedoms and a great sense of natural, nat, uh, national culture and great allies and friends of the rest of the free world, they don't have this problem anymore. They don't have these orphans that are begging for adoptions around the world. It's just not there. So what was the difference there? How were they able to harness their culture, hold on to it tight, and create an innovative, interesting, modern country? I don't know exactly how, but it seems to me the values instilled in a country that long ago with help from friends like the U.S. and Europe and others 
uh, of freedom and of free thinking and of and of innovation and of education, I think those things add up to a quick turnaround for a country like that. Yeah, I, I and I don't see that, I don't see I why China fair. couldn't do the same. I would say that's fair. I don't think China is going to do it, and there are you know it's it's a big you know the the um, so, socialist the communist government is you know. A, a truth in China, and that's not going to happen. But certainly, I would agree to say that these were the main factors. You know, free thinking, freedom, free, you know, human rights. It is. It does help for a country's development. That's certainly examples of that hap- are, are <laughs> apparent in Jap- Japan and and uh, Korea and others. Yeah. But um, but also, as Turkey keeps saying, it is happening slowly in China too, and that. It started changing maybe 10, maybe 15 years ago, probably more like 10. Um, m- maybe the return of, of Hong Kong was the turning point, but it's it's only been 10 to 15 years. So what's going to happen in 20, you know? It, it yeah, things I don't know. Might, things might be... Uh, I don't know. I, guess I, can, I can just tell you that not much has happened in 10. Yeah. I was there 10 years ago, and... And then again, very recently, and that place is not any different. Okay. It's exactly going that what is happening. I mean, yes, there's more money there. There's more manufacturing happening. But what was happening then has grown. But but it isn't this kind of growth we're talking about. It's just we can make more Nike shoes now over there. We mm. can build more notebooks and netbooks, and and we can take advantage of what all the other innovators around the world need us to build. That's what's happening. It isn't. They're not exploding culturally and saying, "Look at us, we're unique and we're, you know, we're we're the next big thing," and you know, yeah. Firefly is going to come true. <laughs> so I guess yay for uh, human rights and free thinking. That's what I think. Turkey, would you no agree? Comment. No comment. Hey, by the way, before we Sorry. close this off. Uh, because yeah, we're running long as usual. But before we close it off, Turkey, wh- where do you see Saudi Arabia and the the Arab world in in fifty years? If you know China is going to become one of the big dogs, what's going to happen to you guys? Ah, uh, now that's the most difficult question you can ever ask. <laughs> this, because this 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 part of the world is so complicated, you really could never guess. Okay, that's a good answer. That's that's a good answer. I can it's, I can it, take it. It could go any way. It really depends on very simple thing. You know, it's so difficult in the Middle East that as as simple as one person dying can change the whole region yeah so so honestly there's no way i can tell you where we're going in 10 20 or 50 years okay fair enough all right so i guess that's going to be it for our show we were you know light-hearted enough to not need a um a and now for something completely different story because it was fun i think from the beginning mostly uh so i am going to thank turkey again for coming on uh you can follow him on twitter at uh do you want to plug something else turkey or just the no no just twitter at saudi at twitter.com slash saudi twitter.com slash saudi for news from uh the day-to-day life in saudi arabia 
Scott Johnson, of course, is the man behind uh, wonderful podcasts like Extra Life, The Instance, Apps Lappy, uh, anything I'm forgetting. For Diary of a Cartoonist, Forecast, forecast uh, uh, it just keeps going. Oh, uh, you. by the way, well, no, that's not up yet. Never mind. I was going to give him one big central link. I'm working on a, a way for everyone to get everything in one big fat feed, one big place. But for now... The place yeah. to go, uh, and if you like web comics, it's a nice place to go. Go to myextralife.com. There's links to, to the shows and uh, everything else I got going on over there. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com/slash/extralife, one word. And by the way, I uh, usually uh, choose to think that you choose the name of your new venture in honor of France and myself. Oh, yeah, always. Anything I ever do, I stop and say, now wait, does this have a connection to Patrick? Because if it doesn't, I'm out. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash notpatrick. And you can go to the show's blog at uh, thephileusclub.com. You can send an email to phileus at frenchspin.com. Wow, that's not convenient to have a different domain name. But... Never mind, frenchspin.com is also the place to go to find out about more about myself and other shows that I do. And that's going to bring this show to a close. I want to thank the chat room and everyone for listening. And we will be back next month for another one. Thanks a lot, guys, and talk to you soon. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 